Hi, I'm Pastor Will. And I'm Pastor Brianna. And we want to thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's message. We believe that as you listen to this message, you'll be restored by the message and know that you have a covenant right to prosper spiritually, physically, and financially. We love you and something good is going to happen to you. Like I said, I'm so excited for the word on this morning because we are starting a new series, amen. We are starting a new series, amen. And I just want to go ahead and put a disclaimer out there. This series will be in two volumes, amen. Volume one and volume two, amen. I want to really just take my time with this series that uh, we're starting. And so it's going to be in two parts. And so this new series that we are starting is called this, Made for Miracles, amen. Made for Miracles. Go ahead, put that in the chat right now. Say, Made for Miracles, Glory to God. And the reason why, you know, God laid this on my heart to teach because I want you to really understand that you were not made to be average. You were not made to be average. You were not made to live an average life. You were not made to suffer or see suffering. You were not, you were not made to see sickness or be sick. You were made for miracles. Somebody say, I'm made for miracles. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, that means that you were made to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You are made to cast out demons. You are made to raise the dead. You were made for miracles. Somebody say, I'm made for miracles. Oh, glory to God. You know, just how the car was made for transportation and just how the cell phone was made for telecommunication, just how the airplane was made for flight, just how the light bulb was made for light. I'm trying to tell you, you as a child of God, you as a Christian, you as a believer, you were made for miracles. Somebody say, I'm made for miracles. Oh, glory to God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 22, in the message translation, it says this, all around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. Now, the reason why I went, to, I wanted to go to Romans chapter 8, 22, because, you know, we can see going on in the world today is pain. We see it literally all over the world. We see it in all over this country. We see it even in our own community, even in our own neighborhoods. And the, I love this verse because Paul gives a revelation to the experience that, the group, that these group of people are, are facing, and he compares their experience to childbirth. Oh, glory to God. Whew. He compares it to childbirth. Amen. He compares it to the pain that a pregnant woman experiences through childbirth. And those women that are watching this right now, you know, you birthed a child, you understand that the more painful the contractions are, the more painful the pain is and the more frequent the contractions are, what it is, it's a sign. Somebody say it's a sign. Oh, glory to God. What is it a sign for? It's a sign for delivery. Oh, glory to God. And so as this woman is sitting on that bed, she's sitting on a hospital bed and her hands are, crinch, are clenching that, those bed sheets and her eyes are, sh are, are shut closed and sweat is pouring down her face and her mouth is still shut trying to hold back the screams because she's going through this pain. All of a sudden, here walks in a calm, cool, collective doctor. <laughs> Now, I want, you, I want you really to take a step back and recognize this scene that I just played out for you. Here's, one, here's a woman literally going through pain, going through agony, literally looks like she's in the worst pain of her life. And at the same time, here comes in a doctor, walks in the room, and he's not freaking out. 
He's not scared. He's not worried. Why isn't he scared? Why isn't he freaking out? Because he, what he's looking at, he's not looking at the pain, but he understands and recognizes that what he's seeing is a sign. He understands and recognizes that what he sees is a sign. And so after, he, after what he sees and he recognizes that it's a sign, he then sees and looks at himself and recognizes that he is the solution to the sign. He recognizes and understands, I was sent here to bring delivery to this pain. Oh, glory to God. And so in the same way, when you see that person in the wheelchair, you have to look at it and understand that's a sign because I was sent here to lay hands on that person and then get up out there wheelchair. The same thing when you walk into the hospital room of that loved one and the doctor just pronounced them dead. You have to understand, no, this is a sign. God sent me here to speak life to this body and they come back to life. You have to recognize that you were made for miracles. Somebody said I was made for miracles. Glory to God. Now I don't know about you, but I made a decision. I made a clear decision that I am no longer settling for to live an average life. I'm no longer settling to live a natural life. I had this revelation and I had this attitude that if Jesus could walk on the water, then so can I. I had this attitude. I had this mindset that if the handkerchief, uh, the, the, if the shadow of Peter can heal the sick, then so can mine. I had this attitude. I had this mindset that if the handkerchief of Paul can heal the sick, then so can mine. Why? Because I am made for miracles. Oh, glory to God. Family, it's time for us. The goal of this series is to raise our expectation, to raise our revelation of who you are, because I honestly believe that it's time for us to not be a natural church. It's time for us to not just be some type of organization. It's time for us to walk in the fullness of who God has called us to walk in. It's time for us to be the church that Jesus died for us to be, and that church was a supernatural church. When we read the Acts of the Apostles right after the Gospels, all we see are miracles, signs, and wonders. In the scriptures, the people, the, uh, the apostles were doing so many signs, so many wonders, that they said, they, they literally say in the scripture that, oh my gosh, the gods have come down and are living among us. Why? Because they were turning the world upside down. They weren't settling for no coronavirus. They weren't settling to be broke. They weren't settling for death. They weren't settling for sickness. They weren't settling for somebody that was handicapped. They understood that the moment I see a situation, the moment I see pain, I was was made to change it around. I was made to bring delivery. Somebody shot me and said, I'm made for miracles. Oh, glory to God. So, Pastor, how do we get there? I know you're all hyped up. That was my plan. <laughs> I want y'all to get hyped. I want you to get excited on this morning. Amen. Somebody say, I'm made for miracles. How do I get there, Pastor? Let's go to the foundation verse of this first volume. Amen. The foundation verse of this first volume is Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And I'm going to read this in the King James Version. It says this. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Glory to God. I'm going to read that one more time. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Glory to God. And so what this verse does, family, what this verse does, it proves what the, the, the whole topic and point that I've been saying, that you were made for miracles. Somebody say, I'm made for miracles. You are made for miracles. You are made to do exploits. Glory to God. 
And so if I was made for miracles and if I was made to do exploits, why don't I see them in my life? Why don't I see them in my life? You know, I started off this, you know, this series, um, this message, giving the example of how a car is literally made for transportation, how a cell phone is literally made for telecommunication, how an airplane was literally made to fly. And any time that plane isn't flying, any time that cell phone isn't making a phone call, any time that car is not driving, it is a clear indication that something is wrong. And so what I'm trying to get you to get on this morning that when we don't see, when we aren't seeing miracles, signs and wonders on a daily basis, when we aren't seeing the dead raised, when we aren't seeing demons cast out, when we aren't seeing, when we aren't seeing bodies being healed and limbs growing, we have to go back and to understand, hold up, why am I not seeing it, Jesus? Well, the scripture answers it. And it's this question, do the people know their God. The verse says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And so if exploits, miracles, wonders aren't being manifested in my life, it's not a me problem. It's not a prayer problem. It's not even a sin problem, it's a knowledge problem. I'm going to say that again. If I'm not seeing miracle signs and wonders, if I'm not seeing exploits manifested in my life, it's not a me problem, it's not a, 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 it's not a, a prayer problem, it's not even a sin problem. What's the problem? It's a knowledge problem. And today, I want to fix, I want to fix that, Amen. I want to fix it with this message entitled this, First Date with God, amen? First Date with God. And so while you're watching this right now, I want to talk to all my married folk. I want you to go down memory lane, amen? I want you to put in the chat right now the, where your first date was. Let's have fun this morning. Where was your first date with your spouse? Was it at a restaurant? Was it at a movies? Was it at a fair? Was it at a museum, amen? Well, go ahead and put it in the chat right now. I know some of y'all are probably like, dang, what, what, what was that first date? <laughs> Amen. But the, the message on today I want to talk about is first date with God. Amen. And I'll go out on a limb and say this, that the first date is the most important in a relationship. And why is that? Because, you know, well, Nowadays, you know, relationships start with a text or a DM or, or back in the day, or maybe you watch us, or maybe it started with, you know, a phone call. But it's, it's not until this moment, at a first date, right now we're at a restaurant. <laughs> it's not until this moment, on the first date, that you really get to know that person. Because before this moment, it's just talk. And, you know, you can hide behind a text. <laughs> you, can hide, you can hide behind a phone call, but it's not until you get into a space where you're one-on-one -on -one with the person that you really get to know who they really are. And why is that? It's because it's an experience. And the more experiences you have with the person, the more you get to know about that person. I'm going to say that again. The more experiences you have with the person, the more you get to know about that person. And what this is, what it really is, is, is this word called intimacy. 
And if you go back into our foundation verse where it says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. This, this, this word translated in Greek is called gnosko, which, which also can be translated intimacy. I love how one pastor translated the word intimacy, and he said this, into me, you see. And like I said, it's on this date night. It's on this first date that you really get to see into someone. I'm looking at how they respond to the waiter. I'm looking at how, how their posture is. I'm, you know, sometimes you even look at how to eat and see if they're a messy eater. But, you know, you're looking at these different social cues to see, really get to know and see who this person is. Because like I said, it's only through experience that I get to know who somebody really is. Man, and with every revelation of who they are, it produces a manifestation in your life. I'm going to say that again. Once again, I want to take my time through this series because I really want you to get this revelation on this morning. With every revelation of who they are, what it does, it produces a manifestation of who they are in your life. If you don't get it, I'm going to break it down for you. <laughs> Amen. It's like this. If, if you're having a rough day, you're having a rough day, but you know that this particular person always says the right thing or does something crazy to make you laugh, to put a smile on your face, what do you do when you have a rough day? I go to that source because I know that when I go to this source, I will receive the joy, the happiness, the peace that I know this person produces. Are you getting this on this morning? Why? Where did it start from? Because I know this person, because I have a revelation and understanding of who this person is. I have a revelation. I have an understanding of what this person produces. Whenever I'm going through something personally, I go to the source because I understand when I go to this source, I receive the manifestation of the revelation of what this person produces. Glory to God. And so once again, it all starts with knowledge. Now, imagine if we had the same knowledge like God. <laughs> imagine if we had the same knowledge with God. Let's say, for example, I'm facing a financial deficit, and there's more need than it is, than it is money, but I know my source. Glory to God. You know, this happened with Jesus when he was feeding the 5,000. We're all very familiar with this verse. What's going on? There was more need than there was provision. You know, the disciples came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, just go ahead and send these people home. They're hungry, and we ain't got no means to, to meet this need. They said, you know, even the money that we do have, it ain't enough to even buy a little bit for these people. And But then another one stands up and says, but all we have is two fish, five loaves, but what is this among so many? Why? They didn't know their God. Same situations, two different revelations of who God is. Jesus is facing the same situation, but what did he say? Bring it to me. He takes the two fish, takes the five loaves, loaves and lifted it up to God, and the scripture says he blessed it. In the moment that Jesus had, he took what they, what they thought wasn't going to be enough, he took it to the source of provision, what happened? Over 5,000 men and women were, were fed for what was once two, five, two fish and five loaves. What was the difference? It was a knowledge of who God is. And when I get the revelation and when I get the knowledge of who God is, I get the manifestation of what God brings. Glory to God. So, uh, we have to understand this. First John four seventeen. it says this. 
as he is, so are we in this world. And what does that mean for us as believers? It means this, that the same experiences that Jesus had, I should be, I should be living in the same experiences. Oh, man. And the, what Jesus had, he had a real intimate knowledge of who his father was. And because he had a real intimate knowledge of who his father was, there was results of his father in his life. Oh, glory to God. Isn't that like we're relationships? The more knowledge you have of an individual, it produces those results in your life. Oh, man. You know, when, when, when Jesus cursed the fig tree in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, you know what happened? Jesus was walking down. He was hungry, saw a fig tree. The fig tree wasn't producing any figs, so he cursed it. The very next day, Peter and the whole gang are walking past this tree. Peter is perplexed. He's like, Jesus, what once was here is no longer here. How did this happen? Jesus' response to verse 22 was, Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not doubt in his heart. I get this? And shall not doubt in his heart. Where's the doubt at? That doubt is what? In the knowledge of who God is. He started off saying, here's how you, here's how you get this miracle. Here's how you get this exploit. Faith in God, knowledge of who God is. But here's what happens. If you doubt in it, you won't get the exploit out of it. Continue the verse. He says, and shall not doubt in his heart. What's the result when I don't doubt? But shall believe that those things where he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. And I'm trying to tell you on this morning, that's what Satan is fighting. Satan is after your knowledge. <laughs> He's after your knowledge of who God is. Amen. Hosea chapter four, verse six, it says this. My people are what? Destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. My people are what? Destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so if this, what does destruction look like if my finances look destroyed and I'm in debt, I'm in lack, I, 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 I keep going deeper and deeper in it. It's, it's not really a money problem. It's a knowledge problem. Oh, glory to God. If, I'm, if my body is, is facing some type of ailment or facing some type of sickness or a loved one is facing a type of ailment or a sickness, what I have to go back and realize is that, hold up, it may just be a knowledge problem because in the prophet says, through the words of God, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Now, let's compare Hosea 4, 6 to the foundation verse of this series. What does it say? Basically this, lack of knowledge produces destruction, but an increase of knowledge produces exploits. I hope you like I said, I really want to teach this thing so you can get it. Once again, a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6 says, it produces destruction. But an increase of knowledge, according to Daniel 11, it produces what? Exploits. And so what I have to do, I just need to increase my knowledge of who God is. I got to get a revelation of who God is. I got to get into an intimate place and really know who God is. Because once I once you start understanding 
who God is, here's what happens. Your problems start shrinking. Because when my problems are faced to the true knowledge, the true revelation of who God is, I understand that I, even though I'm sick, I understand that he is the healer. I understand even though I may be broke, I know that he is a provider. I understand that even though that I, I am scared, I am fretful, I know that he is shalom. When I know who God is, oh, glory to God, I will get a revelation. I will get a manifestation of that person. Glory to God. Somebody say, I got to know God. And so we're on this first date with God. Because what we're doing, I just want to get to know him. I want to get to know him. Once again, the problem is not a you problem. It's a knowledge problem. Maybe you're, we're the reason why we're not seeing miracles. We're not seeing exploits. We're not seeing wonders in our daily lives. It's because you don't really know who God is. Who? Glory to God. And so we're on the first date. <laughs> And, you know, typically, what do you start off on a first date? It's an introduction. Hi, I'm Will. And then the one sitting next to you, he says, hi, I'm El Shaddai. Oh, glory to God. And and see, in the biblical culture and society, a name not only was identification, but it was an identity. It's who they are. And names are, when we read in the Bible, especially in the Hebrew, in, in the Old Testament, when we read the names, names are birthed through revelation and experience, and it's through a revelation or experience of a name that was birthed. And we know the names of God. You know, we say it all the time. We sing songs about it. We know the names of God, but the ones who wrote the names, which we read, they got it through an experience. They had an experience. They had an encounter that with God and through that experience, through that encounter with God, it produced, hold up, I know you. You're not just this. Oh, I know you as something else. Why? It was through the revelation that produced the manifestation. Glory to God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. I'm going to read this in the Common English Bible. Amen. Because once again, what we're doing, I want to get to know God. A lot of us watching this, you know, we know the scriptures. We know Bible verses. But do you know the one who wrote them? Oh, Jesus. And I want to tell you, the, that's the difference. Uh, of, that's the shifting that I want us to take through this series. That's the shifting I want us to take in this message. I want you to go from, go deeper. I, I don't just know the word. I know the one who wrote the word. Oh, glory to God. Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and be trustworthy. And so God literally introduces himself on this first encounter with Abram. He says, I am El Shaddai. And so what I do on today is I want, we want to get to know who God is. I want to get to know what is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means this, all-sufficient one. In literal terms, the word El means God, and the word Shad means breast. And what this means, this, this refers to God completely nourishing and satisfying and supplying his people with all their needs as a mother would her child. And when I connect that, when Ale is connected with Shad, he's, it really means that he's God who freely gives nourishment to his people. Glory to God. 
and I, I don't want to be too graphic on this morning, but I really want you, once I, want, I want you to get this revelation. I want you to get this knowledge. I want you to get an understanding of who God is. He is El Shaddai. He is the almighty one. I, so I want you, as you hear the word El Shaddai, I want you to get a picture of a mother who is nursing, who is nursing their, their, their baby on their breast. And as with, with, when that baby latches on to that mother, what's happening is nourishment, it, it, with nourishment, provision, supply is being transferred from that mother into that baby. And it's amazing how the mother is literally the source of the milk. The mother is the source of is the exact source that this baby needs. And so here's God showing up on the scene to Abram. And the very first thing God says, I am El Shaddai. I want you to know that I am the all-sufficient one. I want you to know that I am the one who has the supply. I want you to know that I am the one who is holding the sufficiency to the thing that you need. I want you to know that I am El Shaddai. Glory to God. Somebody say, I got to know God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we need to latch on to God. Abram needed to latch on to, to this nourishment. And just like a baby latches on to the, to the breast of a mother, the moment the baby latches on, that's the moment the transfer of supply that is resting in that mother transfers into that baby. But I want you to understand the same thing happens to you. The moment you latch on to who God is, the nourishment, the supply that is resting inside of who God is, it transfers into you. And so here's God in Genesis chapter 17. I am El Shaddai. Why did God introduce, a, to introduce himself to Abram as El Shaddai? It's because what he was about to tell Abram was impossible. Continue in a verse. In verse 2 it says, I will make a covenant between us and I will give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face and God said to him, but me, my covenant is with you. You will be the ancestor of many nations. And because I have made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you fertile. I will produce nations from you and kings will come from you. I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you and every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants, God, after you. Now, this sounds all cool and sounds amazing, but let's not forget the fact that Abram's 99. <laughs> Abram is 99 years old, and God is telling this 99-year-old man, you are about to be the father of many nations. Don't you know that is impossible? Oh, glory to God. But what makes it not so impossible for Abram because before God told him this, this impossible thing, the very first thing God told to introduce himself was what? I am, El Shaddai. Oh, glory to God. Why did he do that? Because he wanted Abram to get a knowledge of who he was. I need you to understand, Abram, who I am, because when you understand who I am, what I'm about to tell you won't seem impossible. And so because when you latch on to who I am, I am the supply to meet that impossibility. Oh, glory to God. I hope y'all getting this on this morning. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Glory to God. And he says, walk before me, and then it happened. And so you need to receive 
the knowledge of who God is, because every time you receive the knowledge of who God is, it produces a manifestation of who God is in your life. Of course, we know the story. Abram believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. He believed in who God was and there was a production, a manifestation of who of El Shaddai in his life. The same thing happened with Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. Melchizedek said, you are El Elyon, the God most high. And because I understand you as the God most high, you brought the victory to Abraham. You brought the victory right here to Abraham. You are the God most high. There was a manifestation of the God most high in Melchizedek's life. This happened to Moses in Genesis, in Exodus chapter 15. God said, I am Jehovah Rapha. And the manifestation of Jehovah Rapha manifested in Moses' life. The same thing happened to Gideon in Judges chapter 6 verse 23. God said, I am Jehovah Shalom. I am your peace. I know you're scared, Gideon. I know you're nervous, Gideon, because everything around you seems in calamity, but I want to bring peace. I am Jehovah Shalom. And the scripture says that Gideon built an altar because he understood you are Jehovah Shalom. So I receive what you're producing. The same thing happened with David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, when David was facing Goliath. What happened? David said, I come to you with the, well, I come to you as the, with the Lord of hosts. He understood of Jehovah, understood God as Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. And that's why David was a scared facing this giant because he understood I'm not in this battle by myself. I know who God is. I know I'm not alone. And what happened? David took up those three stones. He took up that slingshot and one rock, one rock took Goliath down. I'm trying to tell you when you get to know who God is. When I get in an intimate space and God, I, 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 I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are. There will be a manifestation of who God is in your life. So what am I saying? I want you to stop being casual with God. You know, I, like I said, I the title of this message, First Date with God. I want you to get to know who God is. A lot of us, we're just used to, you know, shooting texts and talking on the phone knowing God on a surface level. But it's not until you really have an experience, you have an encounter with God, that the manifestation of God happens in your life. I know this for myself. You all know the testimony when God raised my uncle from the dead. So I had an experience with God. I know him as, I know him as a healer. I have an experience with God when God provided my full, my full college tuition and, and as a miracle. I know him as a provider. And what am I saying? When I have experience and the experience came because I had a knowledge of who he is. I know God more than my problem. I know God more than my situation. I know God more than my giant. I know God more than my mountain. And when I know who God is, glory to God, the scripture says you will be strong and you will do exploits. Somebody say I'm made for miracles. I pray that you are blessed by that message. Like us on Facebook at OB and Waldorf or follow us on Instagram at Open Bible Ministries. Or come join us for service at one of our OBM locations. Something good is going to happen to you.